Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Always love that intro, Chris. So fun. <laughs> Just want to get down. Get down. It's very... It feels like, um, you know, in this season, it feels like, um, who's that uh, orchestra, Trans-Siberian yep. or something like that, a little bit? Yep. You know? A little bit, yeah. So welcome to AZ Brandcast, everybody. Uh, we're here to talk to all sorts of awesome people, most of the time, today's a little different, yep. uh, about the power of brand and how to build great brands in a remarkable state of Arizona. We're your hosts. I'm Mike Jones and... Chris Stadler. And we love just talking about brand, branding, yep. Arizona, business conscious capitalism that's right so today is a little different than normal normally we have a guest or a couple guests and today uh we thought we would do a little year in review a little retrospective yep so we're gonna take a look at all of the guests that we've had over this last year and i was writing down the list and i was like holy crap there's a lot so how do we get such good guests i don't know i think serendipity fortune has indeed smiled on the easy brand fortune has smiled Providence has kicked in. That's right. Not Rhode Island. <laughs> Not to be confused with Rhode Island. Uh, me and my random references. So <laughs> we'll dig into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're going to kind of take a look at all the guests that we've had on this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, hit some highlights, some lowlights. Uh, what what kind of was of interest to Chris and I over the course of the year. Yep. And then also we're going to kind of look at what are some of the themes that came out as we talk to different people and as we've thought about Arizona and we've thought about brands and how to build them, how to make them remarkable, um, how do you, what, what's the interplay there with, with conscious business, conscious capitalism? Yeah, very, very, very unscripted, yes. very much more like stream of consciousness, talking points about these topics. Yeah. I yeah. feel like we're going back to our roots here. Yeah, we are. This is like you how know? we started. Yeah. Except for I don't have any whiskey around. Ah. But it's like it's the middle of the day. There's some. Go run. There is. Go quick. <laughs> I'll be okay with water for now. All right. So, uh, Chris, we should probably plug our awesome sponsor. Our awesome sponsor, CCAZ. So, I have to mention uh, CCAZ, Conscious Capitalism Arizona. This local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing business for good is just good business. Business. This local chapter of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated hosts tons of local events and provide resources for business leaders to instill a higher purpose in their company and engage all their stakeholders. Be sure to check them out at ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com. Yeah. And alongside that, I want to make sure we give a plug for the international conference that's coming to Phoenix in April. That's right. So hit the website if you want more information about that. But there's going to be thousands of people joining the local chapter here for a big conference, multi-day conference. It is the in Phoenix, the CCI, yeah. CCI conference for the whole world. So yes. people are going to be coming, and it's the it's one the world per year. Yeah, it's one per it's year. It's not like they have a bunch per year and they just no. hop around. No. It's the only one, and we're hosting it. So. That's right. So they're going to be people. Anybody who's interested in going, they go here. Yep. Like from Germany, from China, wherever they are, or Italy, or Italy. Yes, I met I met a woman from Italy last year. She was sitting next to me and I introduced myself and found out she was from Italy and I was like, wow, this is like, they were not kidding when they said this is an international conference. So it's a really cool time. I got to go to the one in Dallas this last spring um, and you spend multiple days uh, at the conference. Lots of really, really great content. I think it's it's honestly one of the better 
conferences I've been to in terms of the content that's provided. Some of the speakers are um, just amazing presenters, some workshop type uh, material as well. And just great ways to kind of dig into your business and understand better of like, how can I be more conscious as I lead my business? Um, This is a great event for anyone who's already super plugged into conscious capitalism, but also for anyone who's like, kind of like, what is this? I want to find out more. I want to understand what the community is around it is all about. You'll get a chance to meet a lot of different people. Or if you want to meet us, because it'll be one of the rare times we don't have our bodyguards, right? Because we're so famous and popular. Yeah, we'll be doing free signings. Normally we charge for those. Yeah. Um, so you can get you can get a signature on your broken arm cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All people with casts and injuries come to the front of the line. <laughs> yeah. Automatic front of the line access. Yeah. yeah. If your child does not have a cast on, we don't sign. Um, yeah. You're at the back of the line. Yeah. Should have thought of that before you yeah. showed up without an injury. Yeah. We will accept fake casts. <laughs> <laughs> you put in the effort for a fake cast. Then yeah. We're signing that. We should start a new podcast called the Cast Cast. <laughs> we just talk about we just talk about casts for broken arms and limbs. You know what? I feel like we would have enough imagination to do that. I think so. We could have who do we have as a guest? All right, are we going down a rabbit hole <laughs> a little tra- bit trail too much? <laughs> yeah, because I could talk about this. Don't tempt me. Yeah, my my first thought was just what's an appendage that doesn't typically have a cast that we should have a cast for? Yeah, like what is the smallest? appendage that gets a cat like that's the I kind of know. thing we could talk that's about that's a great question yeah or what's like the i'm writing that down we're gonna pencil that in for a later episode what's we'll the make most, sure that we yeah get that question answered what is the smallest appendage that requires a cast like the smallest cast practical yeah. on an adult human and then was the largest most comprehensive cast oh chris man you're blowing my mind like here. would you be just like full body with a snorkel Hmm. And ear holes, maybe <laughs> ear holes. <laughs> you don't even need these. Those. Are these are serious questions? These are that very serious questions. Inquiring minds want to know at a later date. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough tomfoolery. All right. So I thought we'd start today with just kind of review the list of people that we've had on the show this last year. I I pulled it and I was like, wow, I was really amazed. So uh, we started the year with an interview with Denise and Diane from Truce. Uh, they've got a cleaning product uh, brand mm-hmm. that they've got here. They're locally based in Arizona. Uh, it was a great episode. I think a great opportunity to kind of dig into a brand that's homegrown, yep. one, yep. Uh, that's playing in manufacturing, right? Yep. It's a little bit more of the quote-unquote traditional product space and yet doing something really unique with it. They have a whole, their whole brand is positioned on being non-toxic. So all their, all their, ingredients are, are non-toxic and i think there was some really interesting conversation around even just like how different audiences have gravitated towards their product mm. one thing i remember was um and they didn't know this so they produced this product thinking like oh you know it'll be it's great people want to be safe they want to have this non-toxic cleaning solution for cleaning their floors or cleaning their countertops or cleaning their windows and come to find out that there's a certain segment that really gravitated to it, towards it. And it was uh, cancer survivor patients. Mm, yeah. You know, who just physically are a lot more susceptible to toxins mm-hmm. in products and just in the environment. And so uh, that's been a really big uh, component to their audience mm-hmm. and kind of developing the evangelism around their product and their yeah. brand. So that was really cool. Yeah. I, the, the part I remembered was... Um, <clears throat> 
was just how someone how they started. So wasn't yeah. wasn't there that 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 friend of theirs who was making yep. who was just like, hey, I'm just gonna like make some stuff out of stuff that isn't harmful chemicals, yep. you know, and um, just ended up just making stuff and packaging it. And then what happened after that? Do you remember? Was it was it like she was giving it away to friends or something? Yeah, I think she was just like giving it away and selling it like local farmers markets. Wasn't really, I think, intending for it to be this like huge like international brand of of any kind and and if i remember right i think diane met her i think it was mm-hmm. a friend of diane's and diane was so like smitten with the product she's like we have to do something with this and then she brought denise in and the three of them kind of took it to that next level and really tried to say let's carve out a niche within the within the marketplace for this for this product line um, they've of course since added more products since that original stuff. But I like kind of how it's positioned really simply, right? It's it's clean and it's safe. It's something that like, I remember Diane, she always uses this anytime I've talked to her, but I love this kind of tagline they use, which is, it's the kind of like cleaning product your grandmother would have made, hmm. you know, just made it home, you know, whipped it together. All right, now we have a scouring scrub, you know, powder for the tub. And it's clean and it's effective and it's really safe because it's made from everyday like products that you can find, you know, in your kitchen. And yet they're like, yeah, you you could make this at home, but we do it for you. Yeah. And I think there's something really, really cool and compelling about simple products. Yeah. You know, and obviously the safe aspect of it, I think adds that other level of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very honest, uh, very honest product, you know. Um, my favorite is because uh, we use it in the bathrooms here, right? Yeah. At Max Six, and um, and my uh, my favorite is uh, I love how my hands smell after oh I use the peppermint. Yes. I don't know what it's called, but it's like a or like a mint. It's a I think it's a basil mint. I can't remember now. But it's like a soap. Yep. You know, and it's like in a little thing. Yep. You know, the sensor smells amazing. It's like I don't want to use the like the normal stock bathroom stuff when yep. this is right here, and then I get to smell my hands, and then I'm working, and then I like. I accidentally smell my hands and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, that was a great conversation with them. And then we had um, a little insider uh, conversation around the Super Bowl with Eric Myers and Kayla Izzard from the Resound team. Yes. That was super fun. Yep. Um, we got to rip apart a bunch of ads and tell, them, so tell them how they should have done it because they yes. did it all wrong and totally. we're experts. And yeah, we know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> It was so judgy. I loved it. Was it was very judgy. I think it was a good conversation even around at that deeper level of like what's going on with agencies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how is advertising working or not working? And really like getting back to this concept of this this hard line to navigate around authenticity. Mm-hmm. Right? When is it okay to jump on a cause as a brand, like a, you know, a, a cause larger than your brand and and bring your brand in line with it? And when does it just kind of start to feel fake and forced? And then we even had a great conversation around that Jeep commercial. And it like, it was so compelling. I remember watching it and just being like drawn in and like, I want a Jeep now that looks amazing. It's this, and it was so simple, right? Again, coming back to this concept of simplicity. Driving down a waterfall or like a a little wash thing. Right. Not a fall, but like a, like a, yeah. And I was like, it's so simple. Yep. And then you read the fine print and you're like, oh, it was a closed course. And it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, like you had me, Jeep. You had yeah. me. And I'm sure people didn't read the fine print, so it worked great. But. Yeah, I bet I bet they would uh, 
they would have ticked off a lot of people if they would they if that would have been like a nature <laughs> reserve or like talk a, about the challenge like of right, brand right now. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like it, they just went out someplace and they were just driving around and yep. this beautiful spot and they just trounced all over it with a Jeep yep. and a and a film crew and yep. <laughs> you know what you know what I wish we had we'd had a chance to talk about. It hadn't happened yet. So we didn't get to talk about it in that episode. But I th- I would have loved a conversation around Nike and Colin Kaepernick. Oh yeah. That yeah. would have been really interesting. Yep. I think that would have completed the circle for us. Well, you know, Resound did write a blog post <laughs> about that. Hey <laughs> Blog post pug. Just well done, saying. Chris. I mean you know, so because people be- should go check that out. Resoundcreative.com. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're so terrible. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that um, was a really interesting case study of a brand getting political, yeah, and taking a side and taking a stand. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and then and then I think in the blog post we talked about, you know, how do you how do you you know stay the course and whether you agree with what Nike did or not, and you know, some of us tend to fall on not, mm-hmm. but um. But, you know, you, you look at that and, and uh, you realize that, okay, well, what's Nike, Nike likely to do? Does it, does, it, does it apologize? I mean, look at all the people who are apologizing, all the brands, you know, personalities mm-hmm. that are apologizing when a lot of people think, no, don't apologize for things that you didn't do wrong. You need to kind of, um, you know, kind of stand up for that. You know, and a lot of that depends on, well, was it wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it was wrong. Um, but you know how do you how do you continue to live out those values even when it's hard when people don't like mm-hmm. it and um you know the contention is that watch for Nike not to change its mind it's not yeah. going to backtrack so I don't apologize it's thought about this it knows yeah. what it's doing and, and it's yeah. you know I, I'd argue and this is the argument I've had with people who kind of came at it from more of a political angle and like do I agree or disagree with the action because I have a stance on this particular issue from a political standpoint or from a social standpoint. And uh, it was interesting because I had people asking me about it and saying, hey, you're the brand expert. What do you think about it? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, from a brand perspective, I thought Nike, I mean, that's true to their values. And it's interesting that like, I think if you are true to your values, whatever those values are, and you really think about them and you make decisions according to them in a thoughtful way, there are going to be times that you're going to be tested, right? But those that acting on behalf or in line with your values is actually going to cause some people to not align with you, mm-hmm. right? That's And I think that was a really interesting case study in that of like, I think they stuck to their, what they're true about, right? I'm sure there's a business case somewhere in there. You know, they're not idiots at Nike. They, sh- I'm sure they ran it through some kind of economic forecast as well, right? What's the, What's going to be the the challenge from an economic standpoint? Um, even, even if it was brand and values led, it wasn't done blindly. No, right? I mean, no. they, they, they were they, they probably somebody Very asked thoughtful. like, "Well, let's just make sure this isn't going to destroy Nike and all our shareholder values." Yeah, stakeholder, you know. Yep, but it still cost them. I'm sure with some some consumers, and they said, "You know what? That's we're willing to accept that." Yeah, it was it was kind of funny because you you looked on on social media and people were like you know oh look you know their their stock dropped and then pretty soon it was like <laughs> look their stock is you know rising uh-huh. and everything it's like right and wrong 
I mean, I, I guess this is the next the next part of this this discussion about brand is right. Ultimately, you want your brand to be right and not wrong, not just like popular. So it's like, hey, if it's popular, okay, maybe you'll have maybe you'll do good business. If um, if it's true to your values, well, that's another level of probably you know mm-hmm. accountability. Um, but if your values are wrong, that's an issue too, right? <laughs> yeah. So the real question for me was, um, well, was it right or was it wrong? Is it where should we be trying to unify our country around good ideas, or are we just saying, hey, we're going to take a stand um, and hopefully other people follow if if what we're doing is right? Um, but I mean, you know, the, you're right. Nike's always been that way. You know, the revolution. You yep. know, you, you, that's iconic. Right? Yeah, I mean, and they, you know. There's this idea, I think, at the heart of Nike, and obviously this is from a very external perspective, so maybe I'm wrong, but of this sense of going out and doing things that you, like being challenged to do the things that you've always wanted to do, but are afraid to do, mm-hmm. right? And at some level, that was originally athletic concepts, right? Like, yeah, go run that, go go get fit and run that marathon, mm-hmm. right? You can do it. Just do it. Um and I think they've taken that and they've continued to push, okay, well, what does just do it mean? Mm-hmm. What arenas can we apply that to beyond athleticism? Yeah. And they took it and said, look, there's a social issue. And this one guy in particular has taken a, a big public hit because he took a stand slash kneel <laughs> uh, <laughs> on it. And we're going to support him in the way that he approached that, right? Mm-hmm. So... In some sense, it was like it's not even about what the like issue is at heart. It's more about supporting someone who's taken a stand. Yeah, I would argue that 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 might have a limited shelf life, depending yes. on because if your if your stands ultimately are executed in a shallow way, you know. And I I kind of think that um I kind of think that this particular issue this is personally me and you know yep but. You, why I care about branding, but you have an issue that that where the public could change. What am I trying to say? Because because the idea is that you want to if if you're right and the public changes, well at least you're still doing what's right. But if what if you're wrong, right? Yep. And then the public changes, and now now not only it changes against you, not only now not only are you unpopular, but you also built your house on this like bad foundation. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so you know, for me, I think there's um space in the branding uh, conversation for truth because truth is ultimately what does people does people good yeah. um, not agreeing with them ultimately you know truth starts before love right and yeah. maybe, maybe i don't know so that's that's my contention yeah no and, that, and i think that's the challenge that every brand has is you know how do you find that truth right, right. yep and how do you decide where do our values align with that truth and where are we willing to like be full throttle behind that truth yeah so it's like finding finding what is the what is the the firmest you know kind of brand foundation i could have and then you know then and only then worrying about how you know whether everybody likes it or not you know kind of thing it's almost like personal values yeah be your first be yourself yep you know because you're going to be you know the best you can be if you can just like find kind of who you are and and then you're going to find your real value. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think we beat that one up pretty well. Right on. Uh, next on the podcast, we had Kyle McIntosh from Max 6, mm. who is the very gracious host of our company, Resound. Uh, we we house our company out of their co-working space. And 
We've been able to do some really fun work with them over the last like year and a half. Um, but we had him on to talk about kind of co-working and what does that landscape look like here in Arizona? Um, I think we got a lot of plugs for Taftly in there somehow. I, I remember that coming out of it. <laughs> Taftly, go, I forgot. <laughs> Taftly.com. Uh, historical apparel, or, uh, apparel for the historically inclined. I have yeah. two, I have two, uh, two shirts. Yeah. Classic political <laughs> shirts from, from Taftly. Yes. I think the, when I first gave you the first one, you were oh, just no. like, you were like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to wear that one. No, I remember this and conversation. I, had to tell I was you the hoping story this would not come it. up. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping this would not come up. No, it shows what up. an ungrateful, like, no, 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 you were jerk. I am. Cause here's what great. I said. I was like, I was like, cause I <laughs> being a little more of the, of the libertarian persuasion, yes. I look at the shirt and I see progressive and I'm yeah. like, this isn't really me. And then uh, Mike's like, oh, well, I, you know, gave you that one because I thought it was the best designed. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, what did I just say? <laughs> it's all good. And it is the most beautiful shirt. It's the progressives, the bull moose party, yeah. this classic kind of, uh, you know, kind of more classical, probably, yeah. probably values driven um, progressivism. Well, I guess it always is. But um, yeah, it was it's anyway, the original more, more Republican progressivism. Right. Rather than the, uh, the newer strain. It's interesting how that shift that's an interesting conversation around branding a word. Yeah. Progressive. It's very interesting. And how that changed uh, political affiliation over really a very short amount of time. Really, you know, 19, the early 1900s, you have kind of the full throttle Republican version of progressivism, really led by Theodore Roosevelt. It was a strain within Republican Party, not it was not the mainstream version of of the Republican Party. And you saw that kind of come to a head in 1912 when he goes head-to-head against his own party in the election, loses, and a lot of those voters who aligned with the progressive ideals within the Republican Party actually flipped over to the Democratic Party because the Democrats understood and saw this movement happening and they really like adopted some of the policies uh, very quickly with Woodrow Wilson. It was very strategic. It was not necessarily very values driven. There wasn't total alignment. And then you saw that fully become aligned with the with FDR, who really took progressivism in a uh, to an extreme. Maybe I think that's the right word. It probably to some places I don't know that Theodore Roosevelt would have taken it. So. Well, what's interesting to me is. Um, <clears throat> Like, I'm, you know, everybody's all for progress. I think most people are. Yeah. And there's some people who are just like conservative by nature, right? But, yep. um, but I think most people are like, yeah, well, we want progress. It's just we want progress how do we to want the to thing do it? that we want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> I think it really just comes down to like how. And uh, yeah. it's interesting that now if you say the word progressive, right, like it's now attached to a very far left uh, ideology. Yeah. To some people, it means... Um, progress toward natural evolution like where we're supposed to go as people and then other people are like change for change's sake you know so yeah. it's like these you know it yeah. has a, if you say progress that's what's really interesting if you use the word progress everyone nods their heads right if you say we're a pro- we're a progressive group or we use it as a as a adjective then you get a lot more like wait what Tell me more before I buy into what you're doing. Or <laughs> why would I wear that t-shirt? To the <laughs> <laughs> so it is the best. That's the top selling t-shirt uh, for Taffley. 
the Progressive Party bull moose. It's got a nice fun moose on the front. And it is a beautiful shirt. It did turn out well. We found we, there was a lesson learned. It's my dress up shirt. Good. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you wear it to all of your, uh, you know, anytime you hang out with your liberal friends, you wear that shirt. Make them feel included. Any place, I don't really care if people know what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we, there was a really interesting lesson learned, a design lesson that we learned through that t-shirt line. Um, that shirt was the only shirt that we printed with two colors of ink, mm. both gold and yellow or, and white. Mm-hmm. All of the other shirt designs were a single print color on a colored shirt. And that one's been by far the biggest seller. Still haven't totally figured out. I think it's somewhat the 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 image and the the actual titling. I think we've gotten we've attracted a little bit different demographic with it because it says Progressive Party. Mm. Um, it's not just history teachers who are buying it. It's also people who affiliate with the Progressive Party. But I also think that it's just that that second color just makes a big difference. We need to find a way to get to get those shirts on Parks and Rec. Leslie Nope would totally wear. Yeah. It. Well, too bad that show doesn't run anymore. Ah, darn it! <laughs> yeah, they they kind of they kind of went south a little bit in the last season. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, was there anything else from Kyle's episode? I was trying to remember. That one was a little bit hard. That was a long time ago. It was a really long time ago. Um, yep. I just remember it was a smart conversation, and uh, it was very smart. Uh, People Kyle, should go check it out. Easybraincast dot com. Yeah, he has a lot. He has a lot of insight into business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, real, especially real estate, co working. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was a good one. It was a smart one. Then we had another smart guy on Adam Pierno from Santi. I like Adam Pierno. Great advertising guy. Big great fan. strategist. Yep. That's like his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I mean, we were all over the place. We got to hear a little bit about his history kind of how he came from New York, kind of the ad scene there and came to Arizona and some of the differences in the ecosystems. Yeah, the speed, yeah. Um, the speed at which people work in New York. It's just, you know, he characterized it better than this, but it was, you know, the whole fast paced versus yep. slow paced kind of thing. Yeah, it's come think, up a couple times in our episodes. Mm-hmm. I think Rod Leninger also mentioned that. Yeah. Just kind of East Coast versus West Coast style. At, at some point we need to like, get one of those guys drunk and see what they really feel about the whole thing because I feel like they're always charitable. They're like, oh yeah, but it's good in its own way. You know, I'm like, you, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Like, it I want to really? know. Like, I mean, I kind of think there must be trade-off, right? But I yeah. mean, at the same time, you know, like, I don't know. I, yeah. There might not be. <laughs> I remember I, I had a boss once who, uh, not from the East Coast, he had come from Nashville, but he worked for a company in Nashville that was that was very... East Coast driven, had a very East Coast culture, very fast paced, very quick, make quick decisions, move quickly, uh, pack as much work in as possible. And a lot because they have, a lot of their clients were on the East Coast. And so they adopted that culture. And he came here working in a very similar industry, printing industry, and took over management of our marketing team that I was on. And I remember like we got through about two months with him on the team leading us. And he came to me and I remember him saying like, I know things haven't been going well. I said, yeah, that's, it's been rough. And, and he's like, yeah, it's been rough for me too. And we were trying to kind of figure out like, what is it? And he, he had said, yeah, I've, I've been really thinking hard about this. I've been struggling to figure out why it is that I'm 
having such a hard time leading this team. Mm. He's like, I haven't had this challenge before um, in my past organization. And he's like, I finally figured it out. And he's like, let me know what you think. And he said, I feel like there's a very different culture in the West Coast when it comes to how to do business. Mm. And I, he didn't use the word relationship driven, but I think that's part of it. There's more of a relationship first mentality, which intrinsically means I think you move a little bit slower because mm. you have to care more about the relationship before you make a decision. Uh, I've noticed that all throughout my career. And I mean, I think that kind of brought it to light with that that one manager. And I remember he had really, he's like, mm. I'm from this day forward, I'm changing my management style and I'm going to, I know I need to flex to really be effective here. And, and he did. And I, I think it was, I think it was a good learning process for all of us. Like, okay, we've got to get better at making decisions and moving things forward. And um, we also need to understand that we do have a little different culture. I, I like that because uh, <clears throat> it makes me think that, you know, you're, you're trading off um, speed of decision with mm -hmm. uh, take by taking just a little bit longer and making sure it's the right decision. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully, you know, you could be even more competitive by valuing those relationships. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think it's just a different methodology. Um, and we can dig in sometime around, I think, why that is. I think some of it's just inherent to smaller communities in the West Coast. Hmm. For the most part, you know, if you're in New York City, it's very competitive because so many people live there and so many people are vying for jobs. And the companies that are there are paying significant amount of money to be in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure is there to move quickly and make decisions and make money. And the talent is there. You don't have to worry about like, well, you know, if, if we really, you know, piss off our creative director, he's going to leave and man, that's going to really hurt. It's like, nope, there's like 80 other creative directors who are begging for a job. Mm -hmm. um, so it's okay if we you know, make some decisions and just railroad stuff and make it make it happen at the cost of relationships versus like I know here, especially in the agency world, like everybody knows everybody. There's a limited pool of people to, to draw from. Um, you burn a bridge, you're you're burning a bridge and there's not a whole lot of other people to keep backfilling that. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, I can't tell you like how many people I know who've like worked for most of the major agencies, right, throughout their career, they end up working at all of them here. And that means that every single owner and manager at those agencies has worked with all the same people. Mm -hmm. So they're sharing back and forth those stories. And, you know, it's like, yeah, the relationships to just have a higher value, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> agree. That's awesome. The other thing, uh, so he, he came from being art director, I think. Adam right? Pierno. Adam yes. Pierno. Sorry. Yeah, um, sure. We're still. Oh yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Adam came from being an art director, um, and um, man, I follow him on Twitter. Very yep. short tweets. Very yes. interesting tweets. He's a smart dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm. We got to talk a little bit about his book that he published. Uh -huh. um, called uh, Underthink It. Underthink It. I was going to get it confused with his next book, which I wanted. To, I wanted to give a little plug for. He's working okay. on another book right now. Um, I'm. I've been privileged. He, I, I was able to join his beta reading group mm -hmm. and we are reading his book as he writes it. Nice. And uh, given some comments and for the most part, all I do is spell check it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I read, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, that's great. That's great. So I'm excited for his next book. Do you remember um, the name? Uh, it is eluding me 
It is. It's brilliant is what it's going to be. It's brilliant. If it's anything like his first one. Why am I having such a hard time? He's, if he was listening right now, he'd be all over me about how I can't remember it. Yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot. Uh, and I, so, I should remember it. I'm a bad co-host. I probably okay. should For all I know, it'll change out. before he publishes, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can't bother remembering names before gonna, it's published. I'm going to look it up change. right now while, while we keep going. So, so, so Adam... Um, so Adam is is more of that pure. I don't know too many people in Phoenix who are like him, because uh, he's he's a very pure strategist, uh, yep. kind of along the lines of like uh, kind of the Got Milk campaign, John Steele. You know, people yep. like that are in his circles, yep. and um, that's kind of the circles of people that I didn't run in at mm-hmm. Oregon. But um, <clears throat> whenever we'd have strategist strategists visit as ex- executive in residence, you know, at the university, it was always those types of people. Yep. But not to be honest, not quite as good. And so <laughs> when I um when I hear Adam talk, he's a lot more he's a lot more sophisticated in the ways of strategy than yep. a lot of the strategists who are kind of high profile. Yep. But um but definitely fits in with the best, yep. right? The the John Steele's, uh Gareth Kays and guys yep. like that. No, he is absolutely worth following on Twitter. I yeah. love his tweets. Mm-hmm. They are pithy and brilliant. Yeah, and, and just judgy enough to where like he's doing something, he's saying something. He's not yes. just being politically correct, yes. right? Which is, you know, one of the things about being a strategist is like you're really trying to like make sense of things and yep. things annoy you a little bit and you can get a little cranky and it's okay because yep. you're a planner, right? Yep. So Yep. So that was that was a fun one with Adam. Then we had uh well I had because you yeah. you were out. I don't remember what was going on. I'm on vacation or something. Probably vi- probably traveling the world. You're probably yeah, probably yeah. traveling the world. Like normal. like Iceland or Greenland or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Iceland. And uh, <laughs> uh and I had Joe Ray on. Joe Ray is a designer and artist, a creative professional here in, in Arizona and been doing it for I think thirty plus years. And he's just done some amazing artwork. He's super plugged in with uh, the art scene here. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about kind of how that's played into um, some of the more native art and other like kind of subgenres of art, even like Chicano art, um, how these different cultural groups have come together and are creating these different strains of, of really cool art that really is very Arizona mm. um, and defining Arizona from an artistic perspective. Uh, we had a great conversation just around creativity and the power of creativity to produce ideas and get a message out into the world in a way that kind of sticks with people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. I mean, when you're when you're uh, trying to get an idea across, well, you, you know, sometimes in business you're like, well, it just has to be right. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be beautiful, right? Yep. But in reality, it just depends on what you're trying to do. Are you trying to persuade someone of something or you're trying to inspire someone it will it kind of needs to be beautiful then right it yep. kind of needs to have some design you need to communicate some things that you don't want to you don't want to make them read a paragraph about how they should be thinking about yeah. the aesthetics <laughs> or whatever or the show idea, don't tell right yeah you show right yep. I and mean, the design is i think a big yep. a big part of that communication yeah so that was a really fun podcast i enjoyed joe and i just had a great conversation i remember he he uh emailed me right after and he was like this was far better than I expected it to be. It was like, it was a real conversation. Nice. He's like, we were, it was like, we were hanging out, having coffee. And I remember he, he coming in, he was a little nervous about that. He's like, I've never been on a podcast before. And I don't know how this works. I'm like, well, should, if we do, if I do my job right, it should feel like we're just hanging out, having a cup of coffee at a coffee shop 
and we're just going to talk. Like we're going to find common interests and we're going to pursue those and and see where they lead in the conversation. And we're going to talk about brand. We're going to talk about Arizona because those are things I care about. But yep. um, and I, th- I think for the most part, all of our guests have have had that somewhere in the mix. Um, it's been really cool to see how every guest really, I was looking at the list. I'm like, every guest this year is passionate about those two things in some way or another, right? Everyone brings a little different flavor. But I just like how people are so like conversant about their their topics. Mm-hmm. You know, we just haven't had a whole lot of people show up and just be like, yeah, you know, yeah, brand, brand is good. Arizona's great. Yeah. Yay. You know, <laughs> you, you have people talking, you know, deeply about things like, yep. um, you know, like you mentioned Adam and then, um, and then Rod Leninger mm-hmm. with the, the startup movement and just, um, you know, just being able to just kind of relax and just kind of like, you know, just share these insights, you know, in a way that they're really, yep. I mean, makes sense and takes things a little deeper. Elevates yeah. the conversation. Yeah. So then we had uh, Shelly Cheney from Dollar Days come on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really, I think, interesting kind of case study mm-hmm. in how a local brand has tried to really expand their reach into community mm-hmm. and really take that stakeholder group, right? The community at large, not necessarily customers, although some of them might be, but really just say, hey, we're, we're in a location we're going to give back to the community that we're a part of and really invest in it and and really be a a piece of that chain, kind yeah. of a link in that chain. That was really cool. And they have an interesting challenge because they're called Do. Dollar Days. Yes. I mean, yeah. it makes me it makes it seem like I'm going to Big Lots or something yeah. like first, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So she she kind of went into some of the things they're doing in the community and definitely, um, man, uh, I'd love to I'd love to know you know. A little more about their brand. I know there's 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 some really cool you know specific things that could come out. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think they were good. Uh, I don't think we got super into it, but I know some of the story of like their CEO who's a little bit newer in the organization mm-hmm. and some of the transition that he's brought to the organization. I know that one of that big kind of push to be more community centric and more invested in the local Phoenix community was something that he really brought to the table for them. So I, I'm hopeful maybe we can have him come on. That'd be a yeah. really sweet conversation to have at a little different level than a marketing level. Well, yeah. And then the other the other thing too is you and I talk about, um, you know, be be who you are, like yeah. find your find your strengths and you brand based on your strengths. And so it's cool to see an organization that's like, yeah, let's, you know, maybe we're not going to start talking. Maybe we'll figure ourselves out first a little yeah. bit. Maybe we'll, you know, just kind of figure out who we're, who we're going to be and, you know, let our actions come first maybe a yep. little bit, you know. Yep. Uh, then we had uh, Greg Head from Scaling Point. Yes. And Greg'sList.com. Yep. Great, uh, great conversation. That was super fun having Greg on. Yep. Um, man, that guy's got some deep experience and knowledge in the SaaS world. Software as a service. Yeah. For those that are not familiar with SaaS. <laughs> He's not sassy. No. Although, is he SaaS? No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say SaaS. I wouldn't say sassy. <laughs> He's just very SaaS. Yes. Full of SaaS. Yes. S A A S. And the, the people he knows. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Is there yeah. anybody he doesn't know? Who's anybody? Uh, not. He, I mean, here he is. Uh, he's super tapped into the SaaS like software scene. Um, I mean, one of the, the cool things I think just about Greg is his passion for that ecosystem here. And so he went and uh, a few years ago he developed this list. He went and just said, "Hey, I want to capture every software company in Arizona mm-hmm. and put them on the list." Yep. 
that has now grown. I think when he started, it was like, like 100, 150. It's now over 400 companies that are a part of this list. These are not agencies. These are not dev shops. These are like actual companies producing a software product. Mm. Here in Arizona, they are locally based. They're locally owned. And um, I mean, he just, he knows all of them, right? He knows like the CEO at every single one of them mm. because of work that he's done over the last like 10 years here in the Valley. So, and everybody knows him. Like he comes yep. up in a lot of conversations. Other podcast guests have yep. mentioned, you know, his name. Greg gets around. Ask. Yeah. Greg gets around. I don't even know if they knew he was on the podcast or just like, oh yeah, Greg Head so, and whatever. And it's, I loved his story about how, I think at each organization he's been at, I think so, if I'm remembering right. But really, almost every organization he's been at or worked with, he has a super high passion for helping them brand around a term, mm. right? And creating that industry term for their product, which means that he's often working with these kind of forerunners in industry, right? Like, mm. hey, we're, we're going to create a new thing, something that doesn't really exist in our industry yet. Right. And that's a lot of work. I think we talked about that with him of just like, how much work it is to be that forerunner in your industry and create the term and brand the term and know that you're going to put a lot of work into branding it and other people are going to use it. <laughs> They're going to swoop in and just, yeah. And that's yeah. part of the process, right? Like if you're first and you'd establish the brand equity around that term, other people are going to use it, but they can't hold it like you can hold it. Mm. And I think it provides that like level of leadership in your industry that really puts you out ahead mm. of everyone else. So it was really cool chat with him about that kind of that, you know, instead of we're going to make something that is for everybody, right? It's more <laughs> yeah. like, no, we're going to make something that, yeah, everyone could use, but we know that we're positioning it for those early adopters and we're going to create the terms for them um, so they can go, yeah, like we're ahead of the rest of our industry. Yeah. And that's, that's incredibly powerful in branding, right? Yep. Because if you know who you're talking to, especially as a copy at the copywriter level, you know, yeah. like me you know, being a copywriter, if I knew exactly who I was talking to, yep. it was a tight enough niche. Like I could really know them. Yep. I wasn't talking to a big demographic. Now I'm yep. talking to a person I know and I can talk to them in a conversational way, in a way that, yep. that I feel would be clever or they, they, they would think would be clever. Yep. Whereas it would be too risky if I were talking to a bigger audience yep. and therefore more boring, yep. you know? So if you take that to the brand level, it's like, it's just relevant. Yeah. You know? The challenge, though, becomes when the term becomes passe, right? If mm -hmm. enough people adopt it mm -hmm. um, and your market shifts a little bit, you lose that that linchpin to everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. I've been watching HubSpot and mm -hmm. they, are, they are having to kind of reinvent themselves a little bit uh, from the inside out in terms of how they message. Because for a long time, it was like they were all about inbound marketing because they kind of coined the term and they built all this brand equity around it and really push that term out into the marketplace and everyone was using it, right? And now that term has become a little bit passe and it doesn't hold that same power that it used to. And I'm watching them. They're, they're, uh, so a lot of that inbound marketing philosophy was, was around this idea of a funnel, right? Mm. A linear path for the customer journey. And they're now having to move to a different like visualization as a circle. And it's really interesting as they're trying to, to then create this new concept uh, and put it out into the marketplace. I'm like, wow, to do that twice as an organization is really hard. Really hard. I mean, you almost you almost think maybe you should double down on the initial thing you were good at, and maybe 
Yeah, I'd love to be on the inside of some of those conversations. How did you get to that deciding factor? And you never know. Is it strategic or is it more reactive? Uh, Who knows? Hopefully it's strategic. Hopefully. I don't know. And then we had, uh, we shifted gears quite a bit. We went from Greg had Sass, Mr. Sass himself. Yep. To Dr. Jeff Watson. Oh, yeah. From ASU. Yep. uh, Also co-founder of... uh, resound creative. Yeah, don't so, tell anybody. Yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but just to make sure we're full transparency, he's one of my partners in the business. So, yeah, <laughs> which is why I know Jeff. Uh, I've known him a lot longer than that. He's a great friend. Um, just a really smart guy. But we had a really, really deep conversation around like the philosophy of brand. And that was so so fun. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about what identity, um, what identity really was. Mm-hmm. So there's um, there's a philosophical principle where um where say so i think it's illustrated by the ship of theseus right mm-hmm. where um you know so some people think well it's if so, all right so you have a ship you have a crew and as soon as it leaves port um you know it leaves port and it comes back uh, a year later or whatever with some of the same crew members and you know some of the same planks and you know mm-hmm. they've done repairs and everything and it's the same ship whereas other people might say well it's completely as soon as it leaves port something has changed about that ship mm-hmm. and it, it is a different ship and no longer has the same identity. Mm. And so we were trying to apply that, apply yep. that to brand and just figure out what is, what is the essence of a brand? So we talked about um, accidental properties mm. of a brand and then we talked about essential properties. Yep. And so um, I, I don't want to hog the whole conversation. Jump no, you, you're you doing a great right. job, Chris. So, <laughs> Better than I would have done. <laughs> so, uh, so the, sh- the ship of, um, of Theseus, uh, so if it leaves um, and it comes back a car on land or something mm. with a uh, different crew, it's lost an essential quality of being a ship, right? Mm. For, for example. But if it leaves and it comes back and it has some different planks, maybe a couple of the crew members fell in, you know, yep. <laughs> or, or like, yep. you know... Um, and, uh, or they got, you know, picked up, you know, whatever, some, I got a new sale, you know, and, yep. and, uh, I don't know where you get a new sale, like, um, tire or Sidon. I don't yeah, know, probably. you know, somewhere One like of that. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Cypress. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Cyper- I've heard they make really good sales. <laughs> Cypress sales. Have Cyprian. you heard of them? They're really yeah. good. They're really good. They don't tear. <laughs> yeah. They have the ripstop, I think, right? The they're, they're far better than those, those Alexandrian sales. Okay. Those guys yeah. make cheap sales. And yep. I'll tell you what, like, I mean, you, I know you got the big library thing going on over there yeah. and all the book smarts and all that crap, but man, you make terrible sales. It's, it's the brand, you know, be good at what you're good at. Be good at the library. <laughs> right? Just do the library Forget thing. about the sales. And don't let the Romans do burn sales. it down. Yeah. Oh man, so many lessons in that, Mike. Yeah, um, so many lessons. So uh, yeah, so the ship comes back and has a couple of things different. It hasn't lost its essential quality of being yep. that ship, right? And so, yeah. Yeah. So I think for brands, that means one, one takeaway I had from that conversation was the deeper level you can get to in defining your brand, right? Getting beyond some of those accidental attributes mm. and mm. getting to those deeper intrinsic attributes. Um, and I think I was trying to think, I was like, well, what's the deepest you can go? Hmm. Right. Like, and I, I was using that analogy of the ship of Theseus of, well, okay, the ship can totally change. Right. And someone could still argue, well, if the crew is mostly the same and for sure, if Theseus is still commanding the ship, you could argue it's still the same identity. But if Theseus leaves and the crew leaves, 
and all the boards on the ship are different, it might not be the same ship anymore, even if it looks similar. Right. Right. Well, there's that, I mean, there's a whole conversation with a business where if a business, um, you know, goes bankrupt, um, it's not always, it's, it's, it's worth, it can be worth a lot less because the assets are not the value of of the company, right? It's the, it's the leadership. It's the, the culture that's there, you know? So if you just liquidate a business, it's not worth nearly as much it was as it was when it was a business, right? Yep. And so the essential qualities, like a lot of those essential qualities are just disappearing and maybe you, you only have accidental qualities left, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think that's why like getting to your purpose and your values really help get you at that. They help to define that brand at a mm. deeper level than just like, well, our colors are blue and red and our logo is, you know, a flying sail and uh, we sell widgets. Yeah. Right? It's like... Well, as as long as those three stay the same, I mean, well, how likely is that, right? Right. It's pretty likely those are going to change at some point, right? Um, and they don't help you really define yourself at a at a more intrinsic, true level, mm-hmm. truth of your of yourself. So then the the next question is, um, what's the value of mm-hmm. that, right? So, so let's say you know um, Theseus is still the captain of the ship, and it becomes back a different ship, but like yep. you know, like all the planks, everything. There's nothing original about that the actual ship itself but you have like um theseus and you have the culture that he's Mm -hmm. maintained so even if you've interchanged a few crew members it comes back and essentially it's maybe even better than it was before as far as a functioning crew right then you actually may have preserved that essential quality of Mm -hmm. you know its identity the ship's identity because theseus stayed there and he was a strong enough leader and so many of those values um yeah I mean, here's some ideas too. I'm just, I'm riffing on this metaphor, right? So you have it figured out. Theseus is leading well, Mm -hmm. right? So there's some intrinsic like benefits right off the bat. One is Theseus can make really quick decisions and know he's going to be right because it's so clear what their purpose and values are. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trading out boards on the ship doesn't become this big like design by committee thing, Mm. right? Wait, tell me more about that. So, can you imagine a ship that has unclear leadership, oh, yeah, unclear yeah. purpose, so unclear values, uh, yeah. and you decide like, okay, we're, we got to flip out like the sail, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what are we going to put on the sail? What color is it going to be? Well, now we're going to spend six weeks discussing the color. Or you have a very decisive commander who makes a decision based on his personal preference and says, well, it's going to be black because I like black. Or maybe right? he's like smart enough to have a brand guy. And then for the next six weeks, he has grumbling from his crew because none of them like black. Right. Right. And they don't understand, well, why is it black? It's hot. You know, it makes yeah. the sail hotter or whatever. Would it become some kind of pirate ship or something? Yeah. yeah. So it just produces all this like friction. Right. And then beyond that, you have like, when you have a solid culture, you have a, you have a singular purpose. Everyone knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're all rowing in the same direction. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So now you're a more efficient ship. Right. Right. We know where we're going. We know how to get there. We know how fast we can go. We're all working together. We're all rowing simultaneously. And guess what? We don't even need that guy who cracks the whip to keep us going. So we mm-hmm. just saved ourselves some money. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, even yesterday, I think you and I were talking about Resound isn't about Resound. It's about the people, mm-hmm. right? And so really maybe those essential elements are like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the leadership and some, to some degree, the interaction between people and just yeah. the, the quality of 
um, you know, how well they work together, how well they understand each other. And then, but then also how different they are as far as their styles and mm-hmm. they can therefore contribute and, you know, question what's going on in different and important and useful ways. Right. Yep. Yeah. That was a great conversation with, mm. with Jeff. Yep. Uh, then we had, uh, not last and not least, we had Rod Leninger. Yep. That was a great conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed Rod getting to know him. Right. Yeah. So Rod was, um, he actually hired me at Local Motors mm-hmm. and um, he was the interim chief operations officer at, uh, for uh, essentially what was called OpenIO at first. And it was, um, it's, it became fourth, launch fourth. Yep. So, uh, and he's, um, he's been around a long time. He was in, mm-hmm. he was in Vietnam. He was a long range reconnaissance guy, um, army ranger, 75th huh. ranger regiment. Um, so we go, we go way back. I mean, he was, so he's an operations guy. I am now an operations guy cause we, we just kind of think similarly. So it was great yeah. working with him at local motors and he just, he remains a, a personal friend, you yeah. know, but, but I yeah. respect that guy a lot. He's, uh, so he was in New York told us about did he talk about the pizza or no he talked about the um italian food yep yeah we talked about italian food (laughs) yeah he's got a really interesting kind of backstory or just experience where he's been in-house with brands yep um he's been at the startup level he's been more at the enterprise level um he's been at you know kind of the agency side as well it's like he's Mm -hmm. kind of seen like all the different sides of operating Mm -hmm. a brand Yep. Um, it was really interesting to, to kind of dig into that experience that he's had. And obviously we got into that East Coast versus West Coast conversation. Yep. yep. We've already talked a little bit about. So he um he also uh so he does he he's really into the business model canvas. He's yep. really good at um talking people through that because of his experience. Right now he's at um so what's that what's that there's a college within the within I think he's at Thunderbird. School of Global Man- Management at ASU. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He's at GCU. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Grand so Canyon a, University. There's a, a college within GCU. I think that's like a it's a school of something and with some name and I don't know <laughs> named after somebody. Anyway, so he he's um, he's involved in that. He talked about um, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? So um, so being an entrepreneur within a larger organization, um, but you know, trying to find ways to do that without needing you know too much permission yep. so that you so that you're frozen and, and can't move you're paralyzed yeah. also talked about um just uh he talked about hiring from asu talked yeah. about hiring hiring um yeah we did uh, talk about that i forgot about that yeah just some of the challenges of tech companies in particular looking for talent yeah um, and not quite getting what they need from the schools yeah so he was saying yeah he was saying that that these companies are, are you know hey we can't find good talent and he's saying here's where they are right mm-hmm. <laughs> so in some ways um you know in some ways he you know he's thinking hey there's just this untapped you know, market here people don't necessarily want to move away from arizona to yep. you know work as an engineer but um there, there's there's something missing in that that yep. exchange yeah, and it was almost a call to arms to businesses like you need to, you need to up your game, right? Yeah. You need to come and help partner with the schools yep. to help them know like what do you need? Yep. How can we connect these students in with you sooner than later? And then how can we provide curriculum that actually moves the needle um, yeah. and makes makes for a better you know long term setup for the businesses? So that was really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something super needed in that relationship between academia and professional life, because um, in academia, it's a very different world, right? And then, mm-hmm. um, and so it's very hard for 
for some reason that that's never been a good transition or you have job fairs and, you know, and everything, but I mean, it's just, it hasn't been a strong yeah. transition. I, I know with, at, at Iowa, um, the engineers were constantly getting phone calls from Rockwell Collins and, you know, people like that, but that's because it was a very strong, um, strong engineering school. They knew exactly what they were studying. Mm-hmm. And, and in my lab, they were human factors researchers. So something that well branded, right? Something yep. that branded and specific, um, it's an obvious place you know, to go for talent. Um, but in the more general, probably general engineering, it's probably a little more challenging to know for companies to know where to go, you know, for yep. talent. And then you're, you're starting from a, you're, you're starting farther from where you need to get to as yep. far as like, are you a good fit? Right. Yep. You're starting way back here and you're having to have a lot of, probably a lot more conversations. And so, yeah. And then finally, Last, but definitely not least, we had Heidi Janenga on from WebPT. Heidi Janenga, kind yeah. of fun to say. It's very fun. Yeah, she's got a fun name. Dr. Heidi Janenga. <laughs> I had right. to make that clear. Dr. Janenga to me. Yeah, Dr. Janenga. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a little uh, 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 treatment plan, so to speak, through that conversation. I, I shared, I shared the, um, my, my injuries. Yeah. That, yeah, with, with yeah. Dr. Janenga yeah. and my past transgressions yeah. uh, against physical therapists who wanted to help me. Yeah. <laughs> and as interesting as physical therapy is and the practice of physical therapy, it was really interesting to talk about what she's done as a co-founder of WebPT, mm. which is a software company, which is interesting, right? That she's applied her you know, practical knowledge within physical therapy as a trained physical therapist and applied it to the business of running physical therapy and, and a piece of software that actually really helps you maintain and grow your physical therapy practice. Yeah, it was interesting because she had, um, she kind of did the 37 signals base camp mm-hmm. thing where um, in, uh, what's that? Rework? Yep, rework. rework. Yeah. Um, they talk about, hey, make something that you're already doing that already helps you, yep. package it, and then sell it to other people, right? Yep. And so it's that's exactly what they, what they base camp and that's what, WebPT, yep. right? How WebPT started. Yeah. I really enjoyed kind of hearing some of the story of how they've um, merged in other businesses. I think they've had four mergers over the course of their of their business mm. lifespan. Yeah. Um, and just how they've navigated that from a brand perspective, from a culture perspective, mm. some really unique and interesting challenges. I love Heidi's perperspective on being culture first in all mm. their decision making. Yep. And really looking at like, okay, this, this is going to be a strategic benefit to us from a marketing standpoint and from a product standpoint, but does it also work at a culture level? And making sure that as they integrate a new company, they're really like buying into the culture and they're absorbing in the talent in a way that's like healthy and, and long-term. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to say, <clears throat> yeah, we're all about culture, right? Yeah. It's total buzzword, awesome, but... Yep. Is another thing to have processes and actually, mm-hmm. you know, say, okay, well, when we're, you know, when we're acquiring a company, you know, here yep. are the things that we do and here are the things that we look for. And I mean, it's, it sounds silly to say, but I mean, it's like you just, you, unless you're going to do it, don't, you know, it's, that, that's not you. It's what, what you do defines yep. kind of what you believe. Some, yeah. Some degree. Yeah. And yeah, I think just a good conversation too of like, there's a, there, right there, is a great example of a of a tech company, a software company who's homegrown, mm-hmm. right? Kind of birthed here in Arizona, born here, 
raised here yep. <laughs> and, and is now like growing significantly. I mean, they've got offices now all over the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got teams spread out all over um, and yet the home is still here and they're doing some really cool things. So Yeah, and they're hiring. So you know, Yeah, they're was, hiring. So go jump, jump on their website, webpt.com yep. and go check out their career opportunities. Yep. It sounds like a great place to, to work. Totally, totally. So, well, Chris, that was everybody we've talked to this year. Yeah. That's crazy. It took longer than I thought. It did take good. longer than I thought. Um, I was hoping actually we could get to some other themes, but I don't actually know if we've got a whole lot of time left. Maybe we take maybe one theme. Okay. Can I talk about it a little bit? Like maybe what's one big overarching theme from the year that really stuck out for you? Well, so for me, I feel like the probably the thing that ties uh, ties in everything that we care about the most. So what are they? Arizona. Yep branding yep and then conscious pretty much of the idea of conscious capitalism the theme yep. the underlying you know um values yep. uh, of conscious capitalism and so i feel like to tie it all together um i shared with you this idea that that you know i, I think maybe um arizona is a place uh so so if arizona is a place where we value you can we kind of like to do what we want we value our yep. freedom right um but then the problem is that if we're not doing the right thing as businesses, people are going to start managing us, right? The government is going to say, hey, you're not doing things right. The people are demanding that we help you. Mm-hmm. And I put help in the in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> not always, it doesn't always work out to yeah. the benefit of everybody. And so if we like our freedom, you know, we like, so we, will, will we embrace conscious capitalism? And how does mm-hmm. that, how does that kind of help? Yeah, I mean, before the show, we were kind of talking about this this idea of you kind of have two roads you can go down, right? As a as an ecosystem of businesses, as an economy, you can either operate without rules and find yourself in trouble at some point mm-hmm. because you're going to do something that's going to harm someone else, probably a group of people, right? And the outcry is going to be large, <coughs> Uber. <coughs> and, <laughs> and you're saying do what you want without values. Doing, yeah, that. do what right. you want without values. Right. right. Just operate. Just grow. Transact. Transact. Yeah. Make money. Don't care about people. Yes. And not really worry about having core intrinsic values to your business. And what's going to happen is, is society is going to force those values onto you. Right. right. One way or another, right? One way or another. And they're going to do it through a couple things. One, I mean, obviously, they're going to stop ideally they're going to stop purchasing from you yeah but that may not always be the case because you've done such a good job of making a cheap product right, mm, right. or and you have then, a monopoly maybe or you have a monopoly okay. yes Some kind of, yeah um and then secondly you're going to get a public backlash that's going to result in government regulation mm-hmm. right which we've talked about is probably going to be an overreaction mm-hmm. right? right it's going to be like drastic measures it's going to be heavy-handed it's going to be less flexible than it probably needs to be in order for businesses to operate within that regulation. And it hurts, it hurts to some degree, quote unquote, hurts businesses across the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Not just yours, but right. it impacts everyone in your industry. I mean, unless you're one of the, you know, you could argue that if you're one of the big players, you might want regulation because but that's for dishonest reasons. And that wouldn't be consistent with yeah. conscious capitalism. Yeah, probably. crony capitalism. Exactly. Right. Um, so, but the alternative is you you can instill a sense of reg, like self-regulation, mm-hmm. right? And how do you do that? How do you self-regulate? Well, you have to have a code of conduct that's based on values, right? Some set of beliefs and, and ideals of how the world should work. 
and how you as an organization want to operate together and say, look, these are the things we're going to do. This is how we're going to make decisions. And we're going to make sure that we hold to these ideals mm-hmm. right, in everything we do. And I, what I like about conscious capitalism is it provides kind of a baseline set, not, not mm-hmm. a deep mm-hmm. set, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like all your values are figured out if you adopt conscious capitalism, but it provides a framework for you to start thinking and working towards that. And it puts you in a conversation with other people who are kind yep. of doing the same thing. And, yep. um, <clears throat> well, can I play devil's advocate? Play <laughs> devil's advocate. Okay. Shoot me down. What, is it, what does the devil sound like? <clears throat> well, Mike... I don't know if that's a good devil. Devil always shows up in, my... in sheep's clothing. So I doubt okay. he's real deep voiced. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> the buying sheep devil. All right. All right. That was an experiment gone awry. All right. So <clears throat> devil's advocate. So um, so well, wouldn't wouldn't a company that doesn't have values um, just be able to do whatever they want and whatever, whatever was expedient and, you know, make more money? Wouldn't in the short term, sure. Immediately happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's take Uber, for example, right? They've done that for uh, several years. But what's happened, right? Well, one, they, I mean, they got kicked out of their R&D lab, which was the Phoenix area, Phoenix mm-hmm. metro area. Mm-hmm. They can no longer do autonomous driving here. And they self-selected out, right? But it was coming. There was going to be regulation that basically would would like rule them out of, of being able to do R&D in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. They shut down the entire department. Right. So that's what 300 jobs lost. Who knows how many like R&D dollars down the drain, how much lost time against competitors like Lyft. Mm. Um, And let's not even we can talk about Google. I mean, that's really their competitor in that space. Mm. Google's Waymo program is light years ahead of everybody else. But so and it's it's not all that's caught up with them. I mean, they got other issues like cultural issues at the leadership level. So they have a CEO who who left, right? And you've got a new CEO who's onboarding. How inefficient is that, mm, right? Yep. Uh, in the midst of it's all no these longer poli- the ship of Theseus because you lost Theseus. Yeah, exactly. And now they're trying to figure out their identity again. And you know, this new CEO is putting forward a vision, but is it in alignment with the rest of the culture? They certainly haven't hired for it, right? Because it's not new leadership across the company, right? So is he going to just? wipe the slate clean and start over. I mean, they're, they're in some major hot water that may not be reflected yet in like stock price per se, but in the long term, that, and that's what I would argue, right? And I think this is what conscious, capital, conscious capitalists would argue is that when you do good business, right? You, you take care of all of your stakeholders. You make it a win-win win situation for everybody as best you can. When you operate by a set of values in your culture, when you have a higher purpose for which you operate, right? A goal to which you are trying to work towards mm-hmm. that is beyond just making a buck, but actually provides value to people. And you can define how deep that goes, mm-hmm. right? There's some variance there. And when you have leadership who buys into that, what does that do for your organization from a pure business standpoint? It provides sustainability for your business in the long term. Mm-hmm. Right, you can now better navigate these these challenges, these these speed bumps, and you know big waves that come out of nowhere, the storm that approaches as you sail your ship, mm-hmm. because you have a long term framework, right, that guides you through it. Versus Uber, who is going to be reactive at every moment, right, right. and they're going to make money, right, because you can do that in the short term. But what is the cost in the long term, right? So, Organization. Mm-hmm. Pure organization is lost, right? right? Institutional knowledge is lost because your turnover is going to be high, right? 
And eventually customers are going to go, I don't understand what you're doing and I'm not on board anymore because I've seen the new shiny thing. So what you're saying is if you're a freedom loving organization um, mm-hmm. and you like the free market, you like free markets, right? Yep. Um, knowing that what does conscious capitalism say that more free market capitalism has raised more people out of poverty than any other system yep. conceived. Yep. So, you know, if that if that's true, uh, what you're saying is that we take regulation, we make regulation obsolete yep. for those businesses because we, and, and, and instead of letting somebody else choose how we're regulated, we choose. Yep. We, we, we take control. We say, hey, here's our brand. Here's what we're good at. We're going to make sure that we're we're obeying basic, yeah. basic you know, morals. And, yep. and um, <clears throat> so... So we answered the Arizona. So Arizona, yep. had that in with Arizona. Yeah. What does brand have to do with that then? Well, I think that's that's like that next layer, right? Okay. So it's, you're figuring out your culture and your brand is in essence your identity, right? Mm. So it's like, what is our culture? What is this higher purpose for which we're shooting for? What are the, what are the values by which we're going to operate? Well, brand says, here's a framework to figure that out, mm-hmm. right? And, and define it and communicate it clearly, hopefully even in a creative way, a compelling way that people go, ah, not only do I know what you do, but I'm excited about it. So is there a chance then that, um, that, other, that other companies who share your values would want to work with you because just having a portfolio of companies you do business with to sure. share your values, I mean, you know? Yep. And now on, you know, you, you're associated with these, right? Yeah, these, these and I think that happens at the customer level too, right? Like yeah. we talk all the time about like you want to, you want to do business with people you like. Yep. Right. So what's one of the aspects of likability? Well, it's shared values, mm-hmm. shared purpose. At, at, a, at a more shallow level, it's just shared interest. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm a company and I'm all about environmental sustainability and I sell products that are, environment, are environmentally sound and sustainable and, and, and provide back to the environment, well, I'm going to be attractive to people who also really care about that. Mm. Right. And if I'm not, if I'm just doing it as a, as a marketing gimmick, right, I'm greenwashing my business, right. maybe at first I'm still attractive, but eventually your customer base goes, you know, you, they don't actually really buy into this. This is fake, right? And what do we do in normal one-on-one relationships when we discover that someone who's been talking the talk but doesn't walk the walk? Oh, yeah. We, we, we don't just think they're white noise. We actually yeah. don't like them. We don't we like them. We actively don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we don't reach out to them when we need help. Right. We, don't, we don't bring them into our inner circle. We don't rely on them for information. Right. Um, we don't ask them for their opinion. We'd almost rather trust someone we don't know than someone we know is like that. Yes. We want to do business with people we like, yeah. right? And I think the same thing happens at the brand level. We want to buy from brands that we like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to like the product. <laughs> you know, there's some like functional things. Like, I got to like it. Yep. But I think there's a deeper level at which you can like the brand mm-hmm. and go, yeah, like they care about things I care about. Yeah. I like that. That's yep. attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Will it make you decide to buy the shoes or not? Eh, I don't know. But it gets you closer. Mm-hmm. Right, it doesn't hurt things. I mean, yeah. if if a all things shoes, being equal, yeah, if the shoes are the same, and let's be honest, on Amazon, all the shoes really look the same. It's really hard to tell them apart, right? Like outside of like, well, there's a different logo on them, right? But are they intrinsically different? I don't think so. They all look the same to me. It's like going on the going. It's, Amazon is just the digital version of a grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Going to the grocery store, all the cereals are on the wall, 
And I go, well, outside of price and flavor preference, what else do I choose on? That's about it. Well, you right? brought up Patagonia earlier, right? Yes. I mean, that's that's a great example. It's it's. I want to buy a Patagonia because they make me more. They help me live out my values. Exactly. And if something helps me live out my values and yep. it gives me more vocabulary, um, yep. maybe the vocabulary takes the form of a jacket, yep. you know, but it helps me express, you know, hourly yep. my values internally. Yeah. And I think ideally you get to a point where your brand is actually now community, right? Mm-hmm. So like when you wear the Patagonia gear, the brand is on it. And when I run into somebody else on the trail wearing Patagonia gear, we kind of have this little like moment of like eye to eye contact and we go, you're cool. I already like you and I've not even said a single word. Yeah, well, like like um, Seth Godin talks about uh, in Tribes, he talks yep. about the deadheads, right? Yep. He talks about oh, how... Deadheads, yeah, yeah. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like if they if, if, if they both find out they're deadheads, yep. they're like hugging. Yep. They're not just like, you know... Yeah, or just like... like oh, cool. <laughs> drive, next time you're driving around, right, town, driving around, watch motorcyclists. Oh, yeah. When they pass each other, right? They're going opposite directions. Watch them make eye contact and do a head nod. Yeah, okay. Have you ever done that while driving in your car? Negative. Negative. I I don't see another Honda Civic and go, yeah. (laughs) I just don't. Like, I mean, granted, I think the actual product itself doesn't allow for that. It's hard to see in, tinted windows, all that fun (laughs) stuff. But also, like, you just don't really care. Now... I, I would assume like, you know, you've got the historic car you restored and you yeah. show up at the show, you know, yeah. the car show, you and all the other guys with the Ford, whatever, I'm not a historic car guy, <laughs> clearly, um, you all show up and you're like, yeah, like, that's cool. I'm going to come over. I'm going to talk to you. I want to know about your car. You might have totally different interests in the rest of your life, but on this one thing, we can connect. Yeah. And I can say, yeah, I like what you're doing. And I think we do that with brands too. You know, yeah, we, it, we go, you're into the same things I'm, I've done. And I think that's one of the reasons why like niche brands work so well. Right. Is because they narrow down to an, like, I mean, you can get really passionate. Well, it, and, and I think, I think that's what's interesting because it's not the, the simple things that really get us excited. It's the deeper things, yep. the, the more, um, it's so, you know, say, People have, you know, a couple of people have a BMW 2002 and they're parked next to each other outside. They're going to talk yep. and they're going to share Maybe. their point of view probably. But yeah. If they're driving Mini Coopers, they're going to talk. Sure. That one's a great example of that community aspect. There you go. So, but when they talk, especially the more obscure, the better, they're going to share. I'm going to share with you my perspective. Yep. You're going to share with me your perspective. And now we're both enriched. It's yep. not just, and it's very interesting, yep. right? And so it makes me more... It helps me discover new ways of looking at something, a deeper way yep. of looking at something. Yep. That's very fulfilling. And now we both appreciate BMW more. Yeah. If we were those two people and we had BMWs. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, not only community, but also interpretation, you know, yep. meaning. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Chris, we have, we've had a great show. This has been awesome. This is fun. Yeah. We had a great recap of the year. I think we really hit all the highlights. I, I'm trying to think of anything that we, didn't cover i think we did it i don't know how but we did it we did it so it's a year it's been a whole year year. we've we've done more than a year but this is is this the first full year this This is the first full year first full year of 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 az Az braincast yeah so congrats to us clink our glasses later and we've got some great episodes coming up i know Mm -hmm. our next episode uh that we'll be recording at the end of this month is with thomas Barr from local first arizona i'm really excited to have him on yeah and we've got some other great guests getting lined up for next year 
And so we're really excited for 2019 and all the all the future guests and conversations that we're going to have and really deepen our understanding of what it means to build brands in Arizona. So for anyone listening, if you want to check us out and find out about all these episodes that we've kind of reviewed as well as past ones from last year, check us out azbrandcast.com. Get signed up for our newsletter there. That's a mm-hmm. great way to kind of keep tabs on what we're doing and, and yep. what's going on with the podcast. Yep. Obviously, check us out on Twitter. Uh, that's a great place. Facebook, we're on there. Not on Instagram yet. Still working on that. So we'll get on there soon. And then if you want to get a hold of Chris or I, uh, you can find all of our contact information on the website as well, azbrandcast.com. And of course, of course, subscribe on iTunes Yay, or yes. Google Play. Or wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts, we're on all those places. Um, check us out and then give us a nice five-star review. Five stars, the most stars possible. Yes, because we like five stars. Yeah. And it helps other people find us too. Yep. Exactly. So we would appreciate that. So this is Mike. And Chris. And we're signing off with AZ Brandcast today. Talk to you later. later Thanks you all for a great year. Yep. <laughs>